Hello everyone, this is the first installment of my new podcast, The Green Room Podcast, where I'll pretty much be talking about NBA, NCAA, basketball in general, pretty much, and then sometimes if I feel like it, I might bring up some real life stuff, like um, let's say I want to talk about Drake's Scorpion album, I might talk about that if I wanted to, but I don't. So the first thing I wanted to talk about on the podcast is the Zion Williamson going to Duke discussion, because... I really like Zion Williamson. I feel like he has a lot of upside, but I also feel like he has a pretty low floor as well. And I pretty much just want to discuss where he can go as a player. Okay, first, the first thing I pretty much think we have to find out is if Zion is a three or a four, he's only 6'6", and he has a 6'10 wingspan, so that might limit his ability to play the four. And I see some people saying he could be a small ball five. And with that kind of length, I just don't see him being able to play the five because even Draymond he has a seven foot one wingspan and he's undersized for a five or a four but he has that wingspan Zion doesn't have that but I do believe he can play the four I feel like he could be a long-term option at the four but I'm not sure that he's a good enough ball handler for the three but for the four he is a way 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 above average ball handler so his athleticism and strength really could make up for that lack of size, in my opinion, at the four or the five, because I feel like for against some teams, like if they were to play the Warriors, whoever drafts them, maybe if Draymond's at the five, you could play Zion at the five. And then that could be an interesting conversation. But I feel like he's more of a, a four than anything. And if he does play at that four, I feel like he could be an excellent weak side shot blocker or like one of those LeBron James kind of players where they can uh, get those chase down blocks because because of that athleticism, he has really good timing on things like that. Like his um getting steals and blocking shots. He has really good timing without, you know, goaltending or fouling or anything like that. He has the potential to become even more athletic if we really think about it. He's six six slash six seven. He's like two hundred and seventy five pounds. That's huge for a high school kid. There's no way he should be that size, first of all. Uh, there's also no way he should be able to jump that high based off of his overall weight. There's no reason why a 6'6 guy who's damn there 300 pounds should be able to jump 40 plus inches in the air. It just doesn't make sense. So if he gets on a college or hell, even NBA weight training and nutrition system, if he can cut down to a good playing weight around 250 to 260 pounds, he could become even more explosive, which is a scary thing because we already see this man has NBA dunk contest dunks and he's overweight pretty much. And another thing about his athleticism is he has plus lateral quickness. So he's very laterally quick at that size and weight. So if he cuts down, he'll become even quicker. And I could see him improving his athleticism, much like Julius Randle, Oladipo, Charles Barkley, and even Kyle Lowry have in the past to where they... um. They lost a lot of weight, and then their athleticism benefited from it because Randall, he was kind of, a lot of Lakers fans were looking at him with a side eye like, hey, we love you and all, but we don't love you that much. We're not going to resign you for this much money next season. Then he made that body transformation. He became a better athlete and overall better player. Same thing happened with Oladipo, and uh, Charles Barkley was always Charles Barkley. And Kyle Lowry, you saw his ascension on the Toronto Raptors. He does have a lot of defensive upside, although he does not have the tools that some other players may have. 
He's strong enough to handle any three or four in the NBA, and he could possibly hold his own against the five. I mean, at a certain point, you have to understand that once he's playing a Joel Embiid kind of player or something like that, they, he can't handle them. They're too big. I mean, he might be as strong as them, potentially, but at the same time, they're seven foot one. There's not much you can do about that height difference. But if he's playing someone who's six nine, six ten, and they're not as large as a Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic may be, then um, I feel like he'll have a pretty good time against them. He'll be able to survive, basically. He's very, very laterally quick, like I said earlier, and he's very laterally quick for anyone, let alone a 275, 6'6 kid. And with that strength and mobility, I feel like he could reach Draymond levels of switchability, although he may not have Draymond's size. Because he could honestly be one of those players who could switch from the one through the five at the NBA level. Like I said before, if you play him at the four next to a center, he could have that weak side shot blocking ability. And the only thing I could really see limiting him defensively is his conditioning because he does look a little out of shape and a little chubby at times, if we're going to be fair here. And he may have a low defensive IQ because when you look at the AAU highlights and against other elite players his defense doesn't really pop out because i mean i just don't know how to evaluate that either because aau no one really plays defense and there's just i i, I don't want to write him off defensively because of his iq because some players like deandre ayton or someone like that i just don't think they're going to ever be very good defenders due to their iq i, I don't want to judge zion that that quickly because um only thing I could really judge him based off of his AAU, and that's not really fair for a player. Um, on to his offense. Another thing I wanted to talk about is how valuable is Zion if he just can't shoot? Like if he's just abysmal from out there, which he could very well be abysmal from outside. I mean, how much value does he have? I mean, he could be a positive rebounder, yes. He could... I don't really want to say he could stretch the floor because if he can't shoot, who's who's really going to be, who's going to care that he's out there really? He can't really stretch the floor, so he can't really attack closeouts if he can't shoot. So maybe you can play him inside the um, inside the three-point line where I you could argue he's most effective in there since he can't shoot and he does have that size and creation ability. But I, I just don't know. How much of a creator do you really want Zion Williamson to be? And his shooting is not there yet. And I don't think it will ever be a positive part of his game. But in those pick and roll situations, his IQ kind of shows because everyone knows he can't shoot. He knows he can't shoot. But he does have the tendency to pull up for threes early in the shot clock in those pick and roll situations, which is alarming to me because how can you not know that you can't shoot? Let's be honest here. I've played basketball before. I know I am not a three-point assassin. He should know the same thing. And he's kind of bailing out the defense there. Like, if you're in the pick and roll, they're obviously going under the screen for a reason, Zion. So if they continuously go under the screen, there's no need for you to keep jacking up threes. You're not going to make them. Everyone knows that. The defense knows that, and that's why they're playing you the way they do. I mean, I just don't think the shot is there, and I don't think it will ever be there. And his shooting mechanics aren't pretty either. The release is very flat. And in high school, he shot around 24% from three in the mid-60s from the free throw line in AAU and high school play, which is terrible because the high school three-point line is the closest you're going to pretty much get 
if you go to the Euro League, it's longer. NBA, it's longer. College is longer. So if you can't shoot from there, I mean, you, you really don't have much of an in-between game. You can't shoot threes. You can't shoot mid-ranges because that's pretty much what a high school three-pointer is. It's a um, high mid-range. But then, I mean, it just kind of limits you to being inside the paint, which is if he's going to play the four and some three, I mean, how valuable is that? I mean, how valuable is a three that can't really step out? Like, how many threes can can you name that just can't step out? You can name, like, Tony Allen or someone like that, but he isn't really getting the playing time anymore, and that's basically off of his defense. I mean, I did say Zion could be a defensive fourth, but Tony Allen is an elite defender. I mean, Zion, how how... This is what I was saying when I was saying he has a very low floor. Like, these things just don't all come together. He could be out of the league, or he could just be a one-hit wonder in the dunk contest or something like that. You might not be able – he might not be able to reach the potential that we all know he has. And on offense, he could be predictable and a bit out of control at times when he's um, attacking the rim and whatnot because he does have a little bit of that – not a little bit, a lot of bit of that tunnel vision – and another thing about his offense is a ton of his points comes from overpowering weak players. And when I say weak players, we're not talking about players that just aren't as strong as him because there are a lot of those. I'm talking about legitimate weak guys, like people I could probably be in arm wrestling and I weigh 150 pounds and I'm like 6'1". So imagine that. I'm just wondering how he'll react to playing against other people who are just as athletic as he is and just as big. Because as we saw in the McDonald's All-American game, him and his Jam Fam affiliate, <laughs> Nazir Little, they went against each other and um, Nazir locked him up. I mean, this is someone with comparable size, comparable talent. He just locked him up. I mean, Zion, he just might have to show me a little bit more creation ability against those kind of guys. He, like I said, he's relentless tacking the rim, kind of like a Russell Westbrook kind of guy where it's like take no prisoners. He seeks out those dunks. Like if he gets a full head of steam, he's going to try to dunk it on you. And in ISOs, I kind of like that he always attacks. Like I believe it was 30 out of the 32 possessions he was in ISOs. And I believe EYBL play, he, he drove to the basket, which is something I really liked about him because it kind of shows that He's not going to be pulling up for those jumpers like he does in the pick and roll. So that could indicate that um, he does have a little bit of IQ, but I'm not sure. He does not have a good right hand at all. Okay, so the thing about his right hand is it's a bit peculiar because he can get into the paint with that right hand. He can attack with the right hand, but he can't finish with it, which is um, a bit strange. And his handle and change of speed for a power forward is something that I just haven't seen yet because he is... He's an elite ball handler for a power forward, and he he understands change of pace because if you watch his games, you can see him trying to lull his defenders to sleep in a way. And the way James Harden does to where you slow down your ball handling, you're not making any sudden moves to lull them to sleep, make them sit on their heels a bit. And then while they're a little comfortable, you attack them. And then they're kind of out of position. You can just blow by him. And a guy like Zion, who's that athletic, he could probably blow by them if they were ready. Imagine if he's just lulling them to sleep like that and um, putting, giving them a false sense of security. He's not a positive vision-wise. So if he's one of those guys who are just going to be barreling into multiple defenders and just drawing in defense, it would be nice to know that you can depend on him to make the right pass. But you just can't do that with Zion at this point. He does not show that type of vision when he's attacking in the open floor. 
he has a little bit of vision, I'd say. I wouldn't say he's amazing or even above average. I'd just say he's average for a player in the open court. And he's not a positive vision-wise. And on driving kicks, it may lead to a ton of turnovers when he's playing against smarter teams and smarter defenders. And I, he can't run a pick and roll, which is another reason why I was a little bit hesitant to put him as a small forward. So in my mind, he is a power forward. Rebounding. He's a great offensive rebounder. He rebounds out of his area. He really battles for the boards. And with that athleticism, he has a great second jump, which is something that all the elite rebounders in the NBA have. Like your Dwight Howards, DeAndre Jordans, Clint Capellas, all of them have a great second jump. So when they land, they can just spring right back up and try to get the rebound and really battle for it. So if we're talking about a guy who can handle the rock a bit, who's pretty much limited to being inside the paint so far. I really like these comparisons for him. I really like the Julius Randle comparison. I feel like that's who, what he's going to end up being, a Julius Randle kind of guy. But then at the same time, Julius Randle's 6'8", 6'9", and Simon Wilson's 6'6". Julius Randle was a very good player. A lot of teams would want Julius Randle on their team, so they're like, why not draft Zion? But at the same time, like I said, Zion's 6'6". How valuable is a 6'6 Julius Randle? Because a lot of the things he does is due to his size, like the rebounding and whatnot, and being able to play five, that has something to do with his size. Zion won't be able to do that, so he will be a little bit less valuable. Do you really want a 6'6 Julius Randle on your team? Because I don't. And then when I'm talking about Julius Randle, I'm talking about fat Julius Randle, because Zion, he just hasn't lost the weight yet, although I think he will. I'm just talking about Julius Randle before he lost all that weight. He could go on that trajectory where it's kind of like he, you see he has the talent, but then at the same time, he's just not, it's not coming to fruition. At a certain point, potential has to turn into production. I could also see him in that Charles Barkley mode if he does pan out because he's super athletic. Charles Barkley's old trainer, who also trained Michael Jordan, said Charles Barkley was the most athletic player he's ever trained. Zion could be in that tier of an athlete. And they're kind of similar because, as you can see, they all have that baby fat with them. Charles Barkley he was a little chubby, as we all know, round, pound, and rebound. Uh, he was a positive rebounder, obviously, by the nickname. Zion, like I just said, he could be an elite rebounder with those, with that jumping ability and his great nose for the ball. He could be one of those guys. And another thing Barkley liked to do was run the fast break. Like if he got a rebound, which he did a ton of times, he would like to push the pace and just go coast to coast with it. And I think Zion can improve on that because he is faster than Barkley. He's more athletic than Barkley, I'd say. And uh, he has more ball handling ability than Barkley did. So I feel like he could improve upon that. And maybe, maybe, maybe he could add that mid-range and he could become just one of those overwhelmingly athletic and just overall big guys. So he could be a modern Charles Barkley. And it could kind of answer the question of uh, what if Charles Barkley played in today's NBA? How valuable would he be? But I could also see him being like Larry Johnson. Because that's something I really like to do now. I don't really want to give a direct comparison. I want to give a pool of players and a pool of outcomes to where he could be a mixture of these three guys. And I know a lot of people say he's LeBron or he, they like the LeBron comparison. I'm not seeing it. He might be a little bit LeBron-esque in transition because he's a freight train. You can't really stop him from doing whatever he wants in transition. But he doesn't. I feel like it's a bit disrespectful to LeBron James, the second best player ever, to kind of compare him to Zion, who was a guy who can't shoot. 
He's not the level ball handler LeBron is. He doesn't have half the... He doesn't have a quarter. He doesn't have 10% of the vision that LeBron James has. And he's just not as smart of a basketball player, obviously, as LeBron James is. I feel like it's a bit disrespectful. So um, this was the first half of the pod where I wanted to talk about Zion Williamson and where I think he could go. And next, I'm going to talk about the Denver Nuggets, what's next for them, and how good could they really be? Okay, so Denver Nuggets basketball. Um, They missed the playoffs. They had a top five offense on a developing team with no go-to scorer, and that was in terms of offensive efficiency while trying to acclimate Paul Millsap and Wilson Chandler into their offense, which is a pretty hard thing to do, and they averaged 110 points per game, which was behind only... I want to say the Golden State Warriors for sure. The Pelicans had a really high-scoring offense. I remember Rockets most definitely had one of the best offenses ever. And uh, I'm forgetting the other team that was ahead of them. But um, they had one of the highest-scoring teams in the NBA. And then this is just with a core without a real consistent score. The people on their team that are really making it mesh well is Nikola Jokic, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray. And one thing I really like about the Jokic-Millsap tandem is that they can both go coast to coast with the ball and bring the ball up the court, which causes mismatches because the defense is in disarray in a fast break. And if you got your center bringing the ball up the court, they don't have to wait for their point guard to come up and get it. And that could kind of, you know, things are in disarray already. It could cause mismatches. Like a lot of times I'd see Jokic grab the rebound. Paul Millsap will be able to do that thing he does where he runs down the court, posts up a smaller defender, and that's just a bucket every time. Okay, so we're going to get into each of these players and what I really think they could become, what they are, and the in-between, I guess. Nikola Jokic is the focal point of this team, period, on their offensive end. I mean, Jokic is Jokic. He could easily get 30. He could 30 ball you every game if he wanted to. He could shoot the ball from everywhere. And then it's just a matter of his aggressiveness because he's one of the best post-up players in the NBA, 95th percentile of on post-ups. He could shoot the three. He could shoot the mid-range for sure. He's one of the craftiest players in the NBA. So he doesn't get his shot off in a traditional way. Like he'll, he just has certain moves that you just don't see in big men or anyone in general, he's really crafty with the ball. And he can use his passing ability as a deterrent to um, kind of get more open shots in a way. And Jokic, he's, his passing is just out of this world. He's, in my opinion, the best passing big man in NBA history. Like, I know I see Wilt Chamberlain, Chris Webber, Ronda v- D- ah, Vlade Divac. <laughs> and I just don't think they were the same kind of passers that... um. Nikola Jokic is because Nikola Jokic is just a transformative passer. Like he's in the same tier of some of the elite point guards in the NBA when it comes to passing. And I don't know. I feel like Jokic could arguably be a top three offensive center in the NBA. Of course, you got your Carl Anthony Towns, your um, Joel Embiid, DeMarcus Cousins. You could argue that Jokic could eventually become better than all of them on the offensive end because they don't have that passing ability. That's game-breaking in a way. And then Joel Embiid might be anyone who could hold a candle to Nikola Jokic on the post-up side of things. And if Jokic can just become more aggressive, I could easily see him between 20 and 25 points per game, 10 rebounds, and 6 to 8 assists per game. And that's that might be the best center in the NBA if you don't take into account his defense. 
But depending on how much he impacts the game on the offensive end, you can kind of say that he might have more value because like DeMarcus Cousins was when he was on the Kings, he was not a good defender at all, but he was just so dominant on the offensive end that he just was the best center in the NBA compared to others. Now let's talk about Gary Harris. There's not really much to say here. He's three, he's a three and D guy. He can kind of create his own shot. He's an athlete. He has really good. He's a really good fit with Nicole Jokic because they have a lot of chemistry together. And then next guy, Paul Millsap, he plays defense. He's one of the best passing big men in the NBA, which is kind of funny because he is playing with the best passing big man in the NBA and Nikola Jokic, so they could kind of run some similar things. I think they kind of signed him to help mask Nikola Jokic, but it just didn't work out the way they thought it would. Uh, he could also get his own offense in a way. He could post up. He can shoot all the other stuff. He sets really good screens. He's, like I said, a good defender. He can switch. He can switch on to most positions and have some success. He can switch on to some point guards in the NBA and be fine. He won't, you know, stop them. He's not, like, locked down like Draymond or anything like that, but he can slow them down a bit. Next player I want to talk about is Jamal Murray. Um, what I don't know what I can say about Jamal. He's a very good shooter. He has that limitless range badge on Hall of Fame, pretty much. Now, I'll say he has limitless range gold right now. He's not really on that upper tier of Hall of Fame. I'm talking about 2K. What I'm talking about, this is real-life basketball. But um, he can shoot from pretty much anywhere outside the three-point line. He's one of those people that you just have to respect when they pass half-court. Um the three-pointer, it's going to be real. It's just only going to improve. His shot selection is going to improve as well. And he's also one of those creative players with the ball. And he's an underrated athlete as well, so he can get into the teeth of your defense. And, um, he can he can create something. He's not a positive passer. I wouldn't say he's ever going to reach six-plus assists per game. But if you can get to four to five and then be able to make simple reads, like um, when he's driving to the basket, he can just pass it out to someone. And if he can just do something like that, It'll really help their offense. And I feel like Jamal Murray could become one of those gravity shooters where just the gravity of them and the potential of them shooting the ball terrifies defenses enough to where they make mistakes and that could lead to opportunities for other players. And that's just that's a game-breaking thing to have, which is on gravity shooting, as we see with Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, um, anyone else who could shoot from anywhere, pretty much. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Okay, so those are the players that are on the team that I believe could be really groundbreaking for them. And I just want to talk about their offense really quickly. The offense runs best when it's free-flowing, so basically when Mike Malone isn't ruining things. Uh, and it runs best through Jokic in the high post when he's doing basic read-and-react basketball with shooters and cutters around him. Because cutting was very, very important for this Nuggets team becoming a top-five offense. Because Jokic, he demands so much attention due to him being a positive offensive player and other teams know that he can do whatever he wants with the ball so they're gonna defend him they're gonna send double teams to him and then he has eyes in the back of his head so it just kind of leads to the most efficient shots in basketball which are layups free throws because when they get those open cuts they oftentimes get fouled and then three-pointers which are a very efficient shot because if someone's bringing a double off of um whoever Let's say they bring it off of Gary Harris. I don't know why they would do that. But let's say they bring it off of Gary Harris, and then they bring it, you know, Jokic could easily just pass it right out. That's three points, pretty much. And like I said, 95th percentile on post-up, so you could run him through there. And 
if Jokic really wants to, he could become an elite offensive player. Like, the very last game of the season, it was clinching for the playoffs. Uh, everyone was watching that game, except for me, apparently. But I watched it afterwards, and um, you could kind of see Jokic was giving Carl Anthony Town buckets. You may say that's not a hard thing to do, because it's not. But at the same time, he was just one of, he was just dominant, in a way. Carl Anthony Towns just couldn't do anything with him, and I could see him doing that a lot if he just becomes more aggressive. And I feel like that will help the flow of the offense as well because if he's more aggressive, teams just have to pay more and more attention to him, which takes pressure off of Jamal Murray, um, Michael Porter Jr., Garrett Harris, all those other players that you're going to surround him with in the future. And then he he can shoot. So that drags opposing centers out, which leads to a lot of space because a lot of centers, they're not really comfortable guarding outside of the paint. So if you have Jokic dragging them out there and then you have a motion offense or with a lot of cutters or something like that, then, you know, it's just going to it's just a cut away from being an easy basket. Or if they don't come out to guard Jokic, it's an easy three because Jokic is a very good three point shooter. Um, the, Not the magic. The Denver Nuggets, they don't really have a go to scorer due to Jokic's lack of aggression, like I said. So they might want to develop Michael Porter in that mold. And um, they actually have three passing big men in Trey Lyles, Plumlee, and Millsap, without including Jokic, of course. And they can somewhat imitate what Jokic does. So once those guys get in the game, Mike Malone doesn't have to change their whole offensive game plan because Paul Millsap is low, low key, one of the best passing big men in the NBA. Trey Lyles is very good, and Mason Plumlee is also very good. And next, I want to talk about Jamal Murray one more time and where he could eventually go. I believe he could reach C.J. McCollum levels of offense as a secondary or third option on a championship team that can catch fire from three and just win you a game. Because I feel like they both have a lot of craft, and they're both very good three-point shooters, obviously. And uh, Jamal Murray, I don't really see him being your primary offensive player, but he could become a very good piece to an offense. And due to Jokic's overall post dominance you could run four out offense sometimes four out one in to where you could just have Jokic in there going to work maybe if you're playing like a Carl Anthony Towns someone who you just know can't guard Jokic you can uh, have that four out one in and then just have cutters and shooters around that and then that could really open up your offense because Jokic it's a bucket if they don't bring help or he could just straight out physically dominate one of those guys or if he can't or they're just having a hard time doing it, he can just pass it to a cutter or something like that. I feel like that would be really nice for the Nuggets to have. Um, another thing I really wanted to talk about, which makes me kind of uncomfortable since Jokic is my favorite player in the NBA, um, Jokic's defense is terrible, and you can't really hide a center on the defensive end. So I'm just wondering how good this team could really be because are we looking at a D'Antoni team um, pre-Rockets where they're just not great defensively, but they just get it done offensively and they're very fun to watch. I, I just don't know. How good could a team with Jokic as their center be? Because Jokic is abysmal on the defensive end. And I just don't see how your rim protector being terrible, how that could benefit you in any way. So I feel like they could just go 0-5 Suns and just have an explosive offense. And then, or they could be like 2011, 2012 maps where they have shooters and athletes around Dirk. Well, in this case, it would be Jokic. And then they have a guy like Tyson Chandler who could really make up for 
Jokic's deficiencies. But Jokic is a center, so I don't really feel comfortable playing him at the four either. So next, I want to talk about Michael Porter Jr. We all know what Michael Porter Jr. does. He's big, 6'10", 6'11". Uh, he can shoot the ball at a pretty high level. And he's a pretty high level creator as well. Uh, he might become a volume scorer in the NBA, but that may be something the Nuggets need. Someone who can um, create their own shot and just when the offense breaks down and something's not going, you can just pass it back to Porter and he could just get you a bucket. They haven't had someone like that since Melo. And then if Michael Porter Jr. does come to fruition, you have three elite level scorers in Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. And that might be kind of hell to have to try to defend. Because you can't really guard Jokic down low. He can score from anywhere. Michael Porter Jr. can score from anywhere. Jamal Murray is a threat from three. And any of these guys can really catch fire and have, they can just win you the game, honestly. And Michael Porter, he's easily the most offensively gifted player in this draft. Although he does have those injury concerns, which I'm going to talk about. So basically, if you sit Michael Porter for the, this whole year, and you focus on him rehabbing that back and whatnot, and you're sure he's 100%, you do it in the next season. You just start him. Or if he is close to 100% or 100%, like he claims, you give him a small bench roll, 15 minutes a game maybe, and you're one. He plays exclusively with Jokic for chemistry and taking the offense out of Michael Porter's hands because you don't really want him carrying that kind of load when he does have those injury concerns. So you kind of limit him. So you put him on a minutes restriction like they did with Joel Embiid when he first came back from injury, just even less minutes because I, you just really don't want to chance that kind of thing. But you also don't want to halt his development. And then year two, he just starts at the three unless they, you know, in free agency, they get like Jimmy Butler or someone who could play small four. And then you just have to live with having to have Michael Porter on the bench because I don't think he'll be better than any of those players in year two. He could prove me wrong, but I just don't think so. So I feel like that's what they kind of have to do. And the final thing I want to talk about this Nuggets team is how they can become a respectable defensive team. And I say the key is in the San Antonio Spurs, who started two career negative defenders, one of which is one of the few players worse than Nikola Jokic on defense in Pau Gasol. And the other player is Lamarcus Aldridge. And this team lost Kawhi Leonard, who is, in my opinion, the best perimeter defender in NBA history. And they started these guys for 70% of the season because they started them 60 out of the 82 games, not including the playoffs. So these guys, they're terrible on the defensive end, and the Spurs were still a top three defensive team. And the reason they were a top three defensive team is due to DeJounte Murray, Danny Green, and Kyle Anderson being big bodies with aggressive defense and length on the perimeter, which stopped a lot of passes from going inside to where they could um, they could really mess with Marcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol, and they cause a lot of turnovers. And in the pick and roll, they kind of, they, they're just a smart defensive team overall. And those three guys with that size, it allowed them to switch a lot, really. And then it kind of really helped out Pau Gasol and Marcus Aldridge. And then with their team defense, the Spurs have always been a team defensive team. They haven't really been a one-on-one. You get this guy, you lock him up guy, kind of. They were never that kind of team, really. So, they have very good team defense, and they rely on being fundamentally sound. And if they could get a couple guys like down the perimeter who are very good defensively, big guys, and um, they can guard multiple positions, they could really become an elite, not elite, they can become a top 15 respectable defensive team because right now they're just terrible. 
So a couple guys on their roster who I feel like could fit into this defensive system is Jarrett Vanderbilt, the guy they just drafted, played very little games. He was hurt for Kentucky. He looks like he could be one of those guys who can guard the one through the five, like uh, Paul Millsap, Draymond Green, kind of. And he's very light on his feet. He has shown some playmaking ability, so he could fit very well next to Jokic. If only he could shoot, he'd be the perfect guy, but he's he's not the best shooter right now. But I feel like he could develop that into his game. Yeah, Garrett Harris, he's a very good defender. And then in free agency in 2018, you could target Contavious Call a Pope on a one-year deal or something like that. He is very long, athletic, and defensively talented. Then you could have Dante Exum. He's a 6'6 point guard, much like DeJounte Murray with a lot of athleticism and length. And that can really disrupt a lot of things on the opposing team's offense. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. I feel like Denver could have one of the best offenses ever because they do have those passing big men. Nikola Jokic is one of the best passing big men ever. He's one of the most offensively talented players ever. And depending on their coach and the system they decide to run, they could have that 05 Suns explosive offense kind of deal. And then you have Michael Porter Jr., who could be one of the most elite scorers in the NBA due to his ball handling, shooting, and creation ability. And then you have another guy in Jamal Murray who could just win you a game with his creativity and shooting as well. So you could have three elite scorers who would be the number one option on any other team, pretty much, on one team. And then you add an offensive system around a big guy who could really stretch the floor out and pass the ball like a guard. I feel like we could really be seeing something special in the works. But this all really does depend on Michael Porter Jr. and that injury. It is a big what if. I feel like the Nuggets should be very cautious with it because they don't need him to play either because they almost made the playoffs without him. And with players developing, Paul Millsap having one more year in that system, being more comfortable, Will Barton being one year better as well, Jamal Murray, all the development of these players, I feel like they could make the playoffs this year easily early and they don't really need him to play so they should just be as careful as possible with them and this was the end of the first episode of the green room podcast uh tweet me at not 22 for the next podcast topic you could suggest some for me and uh thank you for tuning in bye